Welcome to the dinner table. My name is Aislinn Campbell, and with me always is my favorite cohort, Joe Hilliard. You never called me a cohort before. <laughs> I found myself trying to look for new ways to say the same thing. If we were co-hosts, we're both hosts, but cohorts, we're both horts. Oh. I do the best I can, man. And some of us Listen. are really good at horticulture. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> do you mind if I brag on you a little bit? <laughs> I was waiting on you to say something. You are. Bringing, I was waiting on you to say something. You are bringing an amazing amount of food into the house. We're not going to talk about the fish tacos that we made last night. We decided, but I was able to take a huge bucket of cabbage leaves, purple and green, pick my favorite ones, wash them, and put them in those fish tacos last night, and it is a luxury. Thanks. I bring in bucket loads every day. And last week, it was the frozen black-eyed peas that you'd put away. The black-eyed peas were from the summertime. Exactly. Those aren't even in season, but on New Year's Eve, your black-eyed peas are available. Yeah. My mom is doing a lot of it, too, to help out. So we do different types of fermentations. My mom's been doing all kinds of fermentations, and we've been drying things, and I've been taking my herbs and making those flavored salts we talked about well, so I mean, speaking of the fish tacos your mom had done some pickled radishes that we put on there as like a salsa or a garnish but yeah those black eyed peas turned out really good and i i love them and i was really bragging about getting to have the black eyed peas that i had harvested put away pulled out and then you paired that with some of the greens mm -hmm. and some of the everything lucky i know and then, of course, today, my whole big email post was about how there's no such thing as luck. There's just people that believe in... <laughs> yeah, hold on. When luck has to do with eating black-eyed peas and using your new wok to stir-fry some greens, I, I'll take all the luck I can get. Well, that's actually what I was going to say. One of the things I said is we make our own luck. And in the midst of we make our own luck, I posted a picture of the bowl of black-eyed peas with a thing of cornbread in it uh -huh. and basically said, this is homemade cornbread, corn with quotation marks around it. Right. I found a grain-free cornbread recipe because it was going to be criminal to eat those black-eyed peas on New Year's Day without some cornbread. Yep. And so the black-eyed peas with the greens and the whatever, we're making our own luck over here. And it's funny because I hear a lot of people say they don't really like cornbread. And I had mentioned to Lily, I was like, Joe made cornbread for me that I could eat. And she she goes, I don't really like cornbread. I was like, but you might like this because it was really good. It was like cakey, more bready actually than cornbread. Well, I said to you right after I made it, this has been the exercise that gets me comfortable with really exploring some grain-free baking because it wasn't hard and it came out really well. The future is wide open. Didn't you make, I think you did last year, you made a grain-free pumpkin something or yes, another for yeah, me with some of the pumpkins the I had grown. Yeah. So I will grow things and I would love it if you would cook them. Unanswered questions. Sitting in front of you is the word Worcestershire, Worcestershire. Worcestershire. After last week's chaos, I thought we might want to know how to say it. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. There's missing syllables in that pronunciation. I just want to say it out loud. Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire. Worcester. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. Worcestershire sauce. And then you said it might be fun for us to do some birth order studies, and we, dude. This is a vast and wide topic. 
maybe let's talk about some food that we made and we'll talk about birth order in a little bit. Sounds good. Sounds like you have a plan. My question is, where has this walk been all my life? I don't think you understood what tools are what for what until you started actually cooking. And that's that hands in the dirt learning that I talk about all the time. You don't know what you need until you get in there, unless you're just one of those people that just fills yeah, your kitchen a, full of things you, you yeah, never use. This, like we said a couple of weeks ago, I got two walks for Christmas. You got me the flat bottom walk and my son got me a more traditional walk, all, both cast iron. And the reason why I ask where has it been all my life is because with you bringing in as much produce as you are... You there is no vegetables. Yeah, there's no more simple way to quickly make anything. And when you start to research different, you don't have to do the same recipe every time either. There's no simple that way ginger, to do anything. Soy, now you're scaring everybody off. There's no more a simpler way to do it. Oh. It is very simple. <laughs> okay. Uh, you get that wok as hot as you can, and then you just flash fry that stuff. And if you do, if, if you're tossing and tossing and tossing, you're keeping the integrity of like the bite feel of the thing, but it's fully cooked. You're not making mush, in other words, unless you overcook it, of course. But I have a feeling that I'm going to have to do... I just want to cook with my wok all the time. I made a scrambled eggs in it the other day. It's just the design of the wok and pushing, forcing everything down to the center where the heat is. I'm going to begin tweaking and perfecting that typical garlic soy sauce. Those tend to be the two ingredients in almost every single wok recipe that I look for. With some sirloin from the freezer some leftover chicken that I'd cooked in the Instant Pot, and then all of your bound... What all we put in there? Well, I had brought home two heads of bok choy. Pok choy? Bok choy, pok choy, tok, toy tok, choy chok. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of choys out there. Radishes, for sure. But then you also had some broccoli, carrots, cauliflowers. Yeah, all of that stuff. I will tell you the one... Oh, I know. It had eggplant in it, which I didn't realize that hadn't used up all the eggplant. There's still... A buttload more eggplant still in our refrigerator. Yeah, that I probably should have sold if I didn't know it was still in there. But then we cooked all of that. You cooked all that stuff. And as I was tasting it, I could taste the little chunks of eggplant, which Uh that was the best part about the whole thing. That I would have liked more of that and that it would have been good with some mushrooms as well. I always think you lean heavy towards meat and especially when I'm like bringing in so much abundance of vegetables and I'm like picking through this stuff. You thought that was a meat majority dish? Uh, No. It wasn't. I do lean on meat, though. That is the truth. I had never even heard of Meatless Monday or anything like that until I met you. And you were real strict about that when we first got together. Yeah, the idea. Well, the only main reason why Meatless Monday, Meatless Wednesday, whatever, but Meatless Monday because of alliteration. That's one that everyone talks about. Yeah, the only reason why I ever implemented that concept into my life was because we were eating too much crap meat mm-hmm. and if i could take one diet and fill it with good fresh vegetables yeah. and sell it that way then we were going to get a more healthy diet then that began more of the transition away from that to the type of clean meat that we eat and how often when i'm like out at a restaurant or something i eat meatless anyways that the balance is better now it's not like it was when i started that down that path of understanding how to limit the amount of meat that i was eating especially crap meat it was a double rice night. I made the cauliflower rice with a beautiful head of cauliflower I bought at the farmer's market. And that's, you know, when you shred the cauliflower, I cook it with oil and maybe some onion and garlic. And that's your rice. And then I make white rice for almost everybody else. But does the cauliflower rice trick you? I guess I don't really think about it that much, honestly. So it probably does a perfectly fine job. Yeah, I'm trying to cook it to a ricey consistency. Yeah, the consistency, the texture is good. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if, if I was... if I took cauliflower next to rice and tasted the 
fartiness, the brusicaness <laughs> of, yeah, I mean, I can tell the difference there. But a lot of the recipes you're using it for, it's got some sort of broccoli or brassica in it anyways most of the time. Like when you made that beef eggplant stew thing that you uh-huh. made the other night, you put that over the top of quinoa. Mm-hmm. Quinoa for our listeners that want us to pronounce words correctly. Yeah, pronunciation is important. Maybe we should bring that one back for a pronunciation Next test. Next week. It's already written down. <laughs> yeah, instead of the cauliflower rice. So it's nice to have some differences. Well, and you get burned I, out on cauliflower rice because we make a lot of Asian food. I was getting burned out on the but, same fried rice. Uh, vegetable fried rice, which is an easy freaking meal when you got so many vegetables in the house. Yeah. Since I'm not cooking, I probably should stop complaining so much. You said that two or three times tonight. What's on your mind? Oh, I just am making sure that a balanced exchange of energy, that people that are cooking in the house feel good about what they're cooking. But that would and... be me um, if you call me the person that's doing the cooking. Correct. If you're not a critic of the food, I don't see even how the whole thing works. I look forward to knowing how you feel about the things that we make. Well, Right. But my point isn't criticizing the flavor of the food so that the food can be better or just this one particular thing so that you have a better understanding of like consistency or something like that. What I'm ultimately talking about is us going through spells of not cooking for a really long time or cooking the same thing over and over and over again. And I know that it's because you're tired of cooking. And I'll always say something like, content, content, content. Where's our content for the week going to come from? It keeps me motivated, I'll be honest. That's good. I mean, it's our creative. You're, you cook and I grow the vegetables and I ultimately learning more and more come up with what are we going to cook, especially now because I'm growing the food and I'm literally bringing it from the farm. Well, the reason why we moved there is because when I try to be autonomous about it, I often don't do it the way that you wish I had. And it's mostly about using vegetables. Yeah. I get it. That's why I said when I go, I mean, I'm bringing stuff straight from the farm. So when I suggest something, usually it's just to sit, to give you an idea. And sometimes I don't know for sure until I've been coming back from the farm or I've been out of the farm for a few days. So now I can kind of figure out what the glut of things is going to be like. Yeah, we have been cooking a lot of Asian food lately because the... Walk. Because we're I'm bringing home Asian greens mm-hmm. and Asian radishes mm-hmm. and a, like I'm bringing home all the produce that you mentioned earlier, and we're getting to eat the right now. Interestingly enough, that the mustard greens, pak choy, bok choy, Chinese cabbage, any of that stuff is just getting the massive like all the bugs are eating it. Mm-hmm. So it's not something that some like if I'm selling produce, right. it's not the one that I'm going to sell. So we're getting a lot of mustard green, Chinese cabbage, all the things that are really holy. But that's part of that my mom doing the fermenting is that I gave her some of the heads of the Napa cabbage that just didn't look good. Then she's making some kimchi with it, which I was super excited about because that was the whole thing. When I started planting all those varieties of Asian vegetables, mm-hmm. it was because I wanted to make kim- I wanted her to make kimchi for me. Ah, so you are the supplier. Yeah, I bring you the ingredients, chef. I mean, ultimately, a chef usually will go get the meat and then go, well, what am I going to... Yeah. Okay, I'm going to put the meat with this particular thing. Or the sides are almost an afterthought. They need a big chunk of meat. Let me get a couple of things on the side. Well, and every once in a while, I might suggest, hey, what about fish tacos? That'd be a good one. And you've already got... You're going to have this, 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 and this. It's already going to be so easy to put together. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we've been doing lately. I feel like on some of those unanswered questions that take a long time... 
I need you to be the fast forward, rewind, pause, fast forward button. So I'm going to do that now with this birth order stuff. Let's do it. I brought two to the couple. You brought two to the couple. Together we have four. Last week's table topics I enjoyed so much. Just push me along if I need to. But being the first, middle, youngest, or only child probably influences your behavior is the, is the concept here. And there's a lot of people that say that this is not a valid concept. But anecdotally, I feel like some of the things I'm about to tell you are, are real just from observation. What I like to say is things like this are blueprints. Kind of like your environmental genetic makeup is simply a blueprint. Like, yeah, I mean, certainly there's things about your body that are going to be based on your DNA specifically. But for the most part, generally, a genetic indicator is simply a blueprint. Okay, astrology is just a blueprint. And then there's like all of those other like numerology and all of mm-hmm. those types of things where people will say, well, that doesn't really fit me at all. This birth order concept, this is a blueprint. This is how you are likely to go if you do exactly what your astrological sign would naturally do and you stay right in your, basically right in your rut. A firstborn with no brothers and sisters is an only child. Sorry. So the firstborn, meaning that there are other siblings on the way, Simply by being a couple's first child, the firstborn will naturally be raised with a mixture of instinct and trial and error. This often causes parents to become by-the-book caregivers who are extremely attentive, stringent with rules, and overly neurotic about this minutia. This, in turn, may cause the child to become a perfectionist, always striving to please their parents. Oh, Corlin's definitely the perfectionist. And you brought up a brilliant point. Is when we blended families, some of that birth order that the kids had known prior got thrown into a little bit of flux. Mm-hmm. Cortland remained the firstborn. Mm-hmm. As the leader of the pack, firstborns often tend to be reliable, mm-hmm. conscientious, structured, mm-hmm. cautious, controlling. That one I don't see in our situation. Mm, he's a little bit controlling, but he's so laid back that... He doesn't come across as... One thing about him is that he doesn't pick the minutia to be controlling about. Meaning things that are not worth controlling, he doesn't try to control. That's actually a very, very good leadership skill in that I am good at controlling what needs to be controlled. They're usually achievers. They're used to being the center of attention because they have mom and dad to themselves before any siblings arrive. Mm -hmm. And that undivided attention, according to such and such psychologist, says that that might have a lot to do with why firstborns tend to be those overachievers. They will usually statistically score higher on IQ tests and they usually get more education. Hmm. Now here we get into the middle child. And this would be like the cluster of middle children if you've got three or more. I guess the reason why I said hmm on all of that earlier is because I think that I have busted out of a whole lot of, of the blueprints of my, for me, like as a, as a firstborn. I mean, well, so- I'd call you reliable and conscientious, structured. No, never mind. Let me take that last one. <laughs> I'm like, controlling, yeah. ding, 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 an achiever. Without a doubt. Yeah. Okay, now we're into the middle child. If a couple decides to have a second child, they might raise their second born with less of an iron fist due to their previous experience. I said this last week, that the first kid, when the pacifier falls on the floor, you boil it for 20 minutes. But the last kid, it's like, it's fine. It ain't going to kill you. Put it in your mouth. Yeah. Which is probably part of the reason we mentioned that we wanted the boy first and then the girl, because you're going to be a little bit stricter. (laughs) Most people are going to be a little stricter on their girls anyways, no matter what. Interestingly enough, I think that that makes perfect sense, though, now that I think about it, because we're a pain in the ass. (laughs) Middle kids might also be less attentive since there's other kids around when they arrive. 
And so the middle child is often a people pleaser due to the lack of attention they get in comparison to the oldest and the youngest, which we'll get to in a second. Well, Lily always said that Cortland was the golden child. She still says Cortland is the golden child. No matter which house we're at, Cortland is the golden child. And she's always trying to like live outside of the Cortland shadow, or at least the one she thinks exists, which I think is funny because I know Cortland well enough to know that Cortland doesn't really believe that because he doesn't see the shadow part of it because he understands... When they do like a statistical analysis of it and ask middle children this question, did you get as much attention as your siblings? Their answer is statistically no. Which ones? The older ones or the middle ones? The middle kids. Oh, God. My kids? See, that's the thing that's so funny to me. The moment that Lily was born, she was the center of all of my attention. Female to female, maybe? Just Lily. She's my Lily. And if you ask Cortland, Cortland's world shifted to the older brother that takes care of the little sister. And the little sister is the Mm -hmm. center of attention. She required center of attention from the second she was born. But again, we're talking about two different scenarios. She became a middle child when we coupled together. And when when her dad and stepmom had another baby. Right. So I don't know how you define her. I don't know if she's definable to begin with. <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? Right, exactly. That's that's but, what I'm saying. The blue there's it's a blueprint. It's not necessarily sure. and then yeah, we we jacked it all up by shifting them around and then in our household creating this whole interesting, truly Brady Bunch style pack of kids. Yeah. So the middle kid is typically a people pleaser, somewhat rebellious, thrives on friendships, has a large social circle. That's definitely both of our middle children. The peacemaker. Hunter's definitely the peacemaker. They're go with the flow types. Once a younger sibling arrives, they have to learn how to constantly negotiate and compromise in order to fit in with everybody. I think Hunter slid right into the middle child perfectly with his personality. Middle kids score higher in agreeableness than older and younger siblings. Yep. See, Lily Lily is just not. She doesn't fit into a whole lot of any of those characteristics. Now, this is interesting. Some psychologists say that middle kids are in a difficult position in a family because they think they're not valued as much as the other kids when it comes to attention. Yeah. It's easy for them to get left out, you know, lost in the shuffle kind of. Mm-hmm. Now we're into the youngest child. Youngest children tend to be the most free-spirited due to their parents' increasingly laissez-faire attitude toward parenting in the second or third or fourth or fifth time around. Mm-hmm. The baby of the family tends to be fun-loving, uncomplicated, manipulative, outgoing, Attention seeker, self-centered. I think you just described Savannah Hilliard. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of truth in all of this. And yeah. like you said, it is a She blueprint. is a go with the flow, but at the it, same it time, she's also, there's a little manipulation going on in there. And also, she's going to get what she wants. And also, she has lots of friends. And also, she's very attention seeking. And, and she's not that complicated. Right. That, I, mean, yeah. I mean, she doesn't like throw right. wrenches into the system. Right. Yeah. yeah. Lastborns generally aren't the strongest or smartest in the room, so they develop their own ways of winning attention. Now, that does not apply to my daughter, I'll be honest with you. She's a brainiac. But they're natural charmers with an outgoing social personality. Yeah. It's not, it's not a surprise then that many famous actors and comedians are usually the baby of the family. Uh-huh. She's definitely the performer of the house. There's no doubt about that one. My kids are so not interested in the performer side of things. Yeah. Like they're actually scared of it. I remember and your son did some kind of, he was wearing boots and had to do a footloose <laughs> dance at school and he was, was eighth petrified grade. and did not want to do that. Yeah, they were so cute. Youngest are known for feeling that nothing I do is important. None of their accomplishments seem original. In other words, 
Everyone else has already learned how to talk, read, ride a bicycle. So by the time the third, fourth, fifth kid does it, you're like, yep, yeah, there you go. That's exactly how you do it. When the first time you did it, there was a video camera. Interesting as it was, maybe this had to do with divorce. Maybe this had to do with recoupling with new kids. Maybe I don't know what it was, but I honestly feel like not to say all of the time, because clearly there's plenty of time in the center where we're not paying much <laughs> attention at all. But each one of our kids had their own like specialty things mm -hmm. that yeah. they did right. that we followed and we encouraged them to do their specialty thing. And, and we're at were, every single one of them. Yeah. And there were things that we went to just independently for them that had nothing to do with any of the other kids. But yeah, there's definitely was some downtime there where we were not paying, we're not paying much attention. So we're about to get to only children, which is me. But did you see yourself in that oldest child? Well, yeah, that's why I was saying that I think that like Lily, I broke a lot. I break a lot of the blueprints yeah. that are written for me. You want to do it your way. Right. I don't. And so should everybody, right. I mean, honestly. Being an only child is a unique position. Without any siblings to compete with, the only child monopolizes his parents' attention and resources, not just for a short period of time like a firstborn, but forever. <laughs> In effect, this makes an only child something like a super firstborn. Only children have the privilege and the burden, and this is what I was talking about last week, of having all their parents' support and expectations on their shoulders. So only children tend to be, how do I measure up? Mature for their age. <laughs> what? I would never categorize you as mature for your age. Perfect. Thank God. Perfectionist. In, in fact, I, I, I you, wear immaturity. I'm, have we like mentioned a badge that I'm seven years younger than you? So just that alone. Yeah, that's why we get along so well. <laughs> I'm almost down to your immature level. Perfectionists. No. Conscientious. Yes. Diligent. No. A leader. Yes. Thank you. Diligent. What's the definition of diligent? Oh, don't make me do that on the spot. <laughs> Diligent means you stick with something. You're, you're, oh, yeah, you're, yeah. You stick to it of this. <laughs> yeah, I was right when I said no. It on depends that one. on the thing. No. Yep. No. Hmm. Oh, let me get your list out again. Hold on a second. <laughs> That's what I said. My list was. Hey, uh... Uh, are you, yes, you are reliable. Yes, you. Uh, yes, you're conscientious. You are not structured. You try to be. You are cautious. You are controlling, but you definitely are an achiever. It's a blueprint. Am I cautious? I wouldn't consider myself really a cautious person. If we're talking about some kind of impromptu decision to go bungee jumping, you might not be cautious. But in life, you are cautious. Really? And I am not cautious. Interesting. Yes. I do, I, that's interesting to know about me. Does that's that bother a, you no, that I think that? No, that's an interesting perspective. Okay. And it's good for me to know that because for some reason, I assumed that everybody would assume about me that I'm very, that I'm not cautious. And so, why? Huh? Because I, I, everything I do is at a risk of failure. You're impulsive? Are you? I don't think I'm impulsive. No, I don't either. I mean, I think I can be impulsive, but we I've learned, could, yeah. I've learned how to not be impulsive. Impulsivity for me was one of those things that because it was so much a part of my reality from a young age that. I had, it, it, it's, it was like a diet, like I had to, I had to go on a diet and you know what? I think that maybe caution is that way too, because if you think about it, I've been through a lot of things that hurt. So maybe the reason I'm cautious at age 42 is because I freaking know what it feels like. I think that that defines a lot of you. I don't know if you want it to, or you don't, but a couple of the things we've discussed on the show, your lawnmower accident. 
just things. things. And then, and then that, some of the, that, my that impulsive brain nature, car wreck. Yeah. And some it, of my impulsive nature, yeah. I, 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 just like at age 19, I started saying, hmm, diet. I think I don't want to feel sick all the time. Maybe I should try to figure out why I feel sick all the time with this and that and this and that. Well, impulsivity doesn't seem to be working very well for me. And it causes this and this and this. Maybe I want to try to see if I can figure out how to shift away from being quite so impulsive all the time. Or maybe I can solve my own issues by being purposeful. Right. And Which I, I don't know if that's the opposite of impulsive. It's con- Well, what it's making me think of is this concept that a lot of people are saying, like, what's your word for 2021? And I think I've always lived that way. Because if I look back and like, not that I have 42 years worth of journals, but I certainly have a decade's worth of journals, if not more. And I have things that I wrote on before that. And there was always a word that I was focused on for that year. And it's something like when I talk about the idea of like, I need to tap that thing out. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. So when we talk, when we're talking about the birth order and the blueprint, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe because of the culture community you grew up in and the birth order and the stars that were aligned on the day you were born and all of that, this is the person you should be. But what if you don't like that? What if that doesn't feel good? What if what if when you read the things about right. yourself, like right. that you're that that someone would say you're not shackled by these definitions? Yeah. That have oh, been I'm not come a diligent person, by... so therefore I just better not. That's just what it is. Oh well, maybe this year your diligence is the the thing that's your word that you uh, begin looking at your life and finding out how you can be. That's just my thought, not about how what you should do, but it's just about how I've done things. Mm-hmm. And so well, interestingly well, enough, my, my words this year were seven, I came up with seven word, words, not, not just one. Like I'm taking on seven C's. You're an achiever. Cool. Cute. Colorful. You're all those things already. Coexist is the one that's already like come up over and over and over again in my life. So that's so, that one, that one's reigning supreme right now. Okay. You got cute covered. Cute and colorful are pretty much reigning supreme oh. also. Um, I think I'm pretty cool too, actually. I mean, my Everyone my 16 year old probably doesn't think I'm very cool, but she the other 42 year old women probably you think know what? I'm cool. I don't know if that's true. I think that your 16 year old is hesitant to admit that she does think you're cool, or enough people have told her that you're cool that it's shaken her thoughts on the matter. She's very confused. Uh, and then connection and create, and that's just because I missed the connection in 2020 uh, more than we and we're finding new connections. And then mine is create walk. as always walk. Walk is my only word for 2021. Every meal, every time. Really. Buckle up. Mm. I hope you're ready for some Chinese food. Waka waka waka. So your son peeled off as we talked about last week and mine's hung around for a few more days. He was leaving on Sunday. And when the kids leave, we try to do a thing. We hadn't gone out for Sunday brunch. I've been missing Sunday brunch. Yeah. We're a little delinquent in the Sunday brunch in our area. Texted your mom and said, we're going to Sunday brunch. They're always looking for a reason to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My parents are almost always say yes to being with their family. Going out. Three out of four kids there, your folks, we decided to try a new joint. It is called Muse if you live in our area. If you don't, you know your favorite Sunday brunch spot. If I could ask you out loud right now, I'd ask you, I'll ask you instead, Aislinn, what makes a great Sunday brunch spot? What makes a good Sunday brunch spot? Well, I need to be able to order a beverage, which is hard in Texas on Sundays. <laughs> no, ordering a adult beverage at brunch makes it brunch. Exactly. I agree with you. 
And then you've got to have some sweet things and some savory things. Not the requirement that you be drinking, but the option to do so. The requirement, you better be drinking at Sunday brunch. The option to enjoy mimosa or a Bloody Mary is critical for a successful brunch. The option. The option. Agreed. Yeah, and then you got to have some sweet and delicious stuff, some breakfasty type things, and then some things you'd serve for lunch on there. But interestingly enough, nobody in our group hardly ever orders anything but like breakfast when we go. We just want, what we want is breakfast at lunchtime. Without at <laughs> all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I ordered the Southwestern Avocado Toast. It had some grilled shrimp on it, and it reminded me that I'm not a hipster because otherwise I'd be making avocado toast every single Sunday. I love it so much whenever I get it. We don't eat bread, so that's part of the thing. That is true, but like I yeah. said earlier, I might be trying to pursue a couple of options here. What would be a good grain-free loaf-of-bread-type bread so that I could make avocado toast? I think I'm going to write that down. That would be good. I like I like avocado toast. Well, I'll tell you what reminded me that I'm not a hipster and that I'm not as hip and cool as I might think I am. It's one of your seven C words. <laughs> Get busy. I'm trying. So all across the world, I would assume that everybody's using barcodes at restaurants now. Yes. And not to say that you weren't already using barcodes at restaurants 10 years before we were down here. We got fast forwarded down we, here. Dude, we got fast forwarded down here. And it's not going as well as everyone might imagine because well, the restaurants aren't necessarily doing it in a way that makes any damn sense to the old fogies like yeah, me. And I literally said that to the waitress. I was like, hold listen. Hold on, hold on. Before you <laughs> continue, we have QC-coded yes. menus several we have. times It's together. not that big of a deal. It's not right. that. So we sit down at a table and yeah. they've got a barcode and you put your phone up to it. You snap a picture and then it gives you the menu on your phone. But this time was weird because they had like separate numbers on each table spot. And when I went inside, we went to go get our seat. The bartender said, hey, why don't you grab your barcode right now? And then you'll have it when you go outside. So I'm like, okay. So then, because I'm not going to hand my phone around to everyone at the table. Right. I forwarded the barcode. Sure. Right. Well, then I learn after we've sat there for quite a bit of time now, granted, this is a brand new place that oh, has I'm opened not, up in the middle of off, right, yeah. and they've opened up in the middle of this whole COVID experience. New COVID, two strikes against your ability to succeed. It's sad. We showed up, and the inside of the restaurant was full enough for them to not be able to seat us. But they said, "Hey, we've got a little space outside," and they wanted to make us comfortable. And the weather was nice, and so we were like, "Yeah." But apparently, you could tell, and even they had mentioned it later on that that was they hadn't really designed, they hadn't really set that up quite yeah. yet. That was necessity rather than them yeah. being prepared to have a seven top table yeah. for the yeah. first go around. Yeah. And so finally the waitress came back out and she was like, um, did you guys want to order? And I, we were like, oh, yeah, yeah, totally. And she's like, okay, well, um, if you'll just pull up your phones. And we're like, oh, we're ordering online. Oh, okay. Well, all right. Well, hold on. Do we need a number? Wait. And everybody at the table's like... But we, we won't let us order any. We're just like total confusion. And finally, I just look at Joe like almost frustrated. I'm like, could you just go inside and ask, tell them we're old yeah. and that we just need them to come out and take our order. Listen, we <laughs> love the idea of your newfangled, the internet based bullshit, but can we just order the old fashioned way, please? <laughs> and that means a pad in your hand and a pin behind your ear before we get started. Right. It, yeah. wor it worked out. We pulled, we, that was my I'm not quite hipster cool moment where I. My avocado toast I, was, I, I ordered that again there. I ordered Cajun deviled eggs mm -hmm. with a blackened shrimp on top. 
And then I had some Papa's Bravas, which is basically like... Brave potatoes. <laughs> it's basically roasted fried type potatoes with some kind of Southwest aioli on mm-hmm. them or Cajun aioli or something like that on them. And it was very, very good. Yeah. You know? I saw chicken and waffles get ordered at the table. I saw French toast ordered at the table. So uh, yeah, big, big, big family success. However... That was a big, big, big family success having brunch. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yes. I mean, the answer to your question is yes. I appreciate the snide. No, I mean, a, anytime we, we, we will can get take together, all the wins, and even it, brunch on you know, that, Sunday. That's part of it. You know what? That is exactly part of it. But it's also listen. We braved the brunch wilderness, and I'm not kidding you, y'all. We live in the brunch time wilderness. We do live in a brunch wilderness, <laughs> but we also. My point was just that we enjoy as a family, your parents included, getting together and enjoying food, breaking bread, community over the table. Yeah, it's fun. It makes me think, though, about just how wide of a pass I'm giving restaurants in the time of COVID. I mean, even our friends that are restaurant owners, it's like, you don't understand the supply chain is whacked. Mm-hmm. It is difficult for us to maintain a menu that we can print for several days in a row. And that's still going on now. So when what you go out and there's What a great time some, for when, restaurants to shift the way they do things and stop only counting on the truck that brings things and start to get to know the local producers of food and see what they can get from them and help to make it easier for us to get the food to them as well as them getting the food from us. Especially a place that is putting itself out as upscale and higher than average. Those are good relationships, I think, to begin making immediately if you're a restaurateur. And people are out there ready to sell you food. Yep. Well, you know what time it is now, right? What? Table Table topics. Topics. <laughs> you're so funny. I've been planning that for a week. Oh my God, you're hilarious. Would it be worse for someone you despised to be your boss or your assistant? Well, the common sense answer is boss because you can't fire your boss if you despise them. Right. If you despise your assistant, you get a new assistant. Yeah. So I don't understand the question. I don't either. (laughs) What can we make of this? Hurry. As I started going, let me tell you how my brain went through this. Okay. When I read this question. Like that? (laughs) Yeah. What's the word from earlier? You're structured. Tell me the structured way that your brain. Oh, no. My brain doesn't work structured at all. Mm. There's like. I don't think you're firstborn. Eight billion fires popping in there all at the same time. Okay. So I thought about, because I've been the boss in a situation where. I'm not really in an, it's not easy to let people go. I can't afford to hire other people. The people I have know how to do the job. That is true. There's value in an an employee being in their position. Shit, you've got employees that you're (laughs) like, dude, if I could get rid of you, man. (laughs) If I could clone you and change you, you would be perfect because the skills that you have are incredible. Right. And so, yeah. And in a nonprofit world where you just really don't have a lot of money and you have a very specialized field and there's only certain types of people that can or will want to do it. Yeah. You work with people that maybe you're not getting along with too well. And it's just what it is. I don't, but, think, I don't and think that's this is limited where my to brain, the uh, nonprofit No, world, of course. No, of course not. But my, that's how my brain started thinking about mm-hmm. it. Well, like, what, am, da, 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 what are my choices? Da, 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 da. And boss-wise, I mean, I think boss would probably be the answer for me. I'm less likely to want to work for a boss because I'm going to quit my job. I can tell you, I've been working since I was 13 and I'm 42. I don't have enough social security to show for it. 
but I have been. <laughs> Maybe this is why I don't have enough social security to show for it. If I don't like my boss, I quit my job and go do something else. Life's too short to do that for eight hours? Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Thank you. And if I'm the boss and it's the person that I've hired that is the problem, first of all, why have I hired someone that I despise? And if I've hired someone that I despise, don't I have an obligation as a boss to figure out why I despise an employee and what's the situation? I mean, because the only reason a boss should ever despise an employee truly is if they're doing a really bad job. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you need to get rid of them, you know? Or good job, bad personality. I just don't have that kind of thing about me. I mean, when I think about it, being the boss of people that I just didn't have anything in common with and didn't care to spend any time with at all, I didn't despise them. I just, you know. It's very conscientious of you. I think that... the a little bit controlling. You know what? I think that... Do you know why this is a problem, this question? I think we need new questions. I'm ready to throw table topics out and find like, like cards against humanity type questions. Let's up this game. Maybe we can switch it around. I, what I was going to say is that I think the reason we don't like this question is because we don't despise people. That's true. So it's a question that we we don't have an answer for because we're never going to despise an employee or despise a boss. How and often if, do you despise me? Never. In a fleeting moment. I never despise you. Despise is, I don't despise people. Like that's not real. reminded me that I'm not a hipster. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. Worcestershire sauce.